0: Peace, peace. You know what it is? It's your man, S-K-Y-Z-O-O, Sky Zoo, live out the borough. And you are now watching the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. Let's get into it, baby. Tell Podcast episode 128. Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca. Still home quarantining. And we got another friend. This is the second person, I think, in the last couple weeks we've had from down in Atlanta join the mm. podcast. Ooh, except, okay. except, I don't want to put Atlanta on his name. He is a Brooklynite through <laughs> yeah. and through.
1: So is the other person.
0: So is the other person who's here. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Funny. That That's is true. Like, Both people were That's from we Brooklyn. This guy's a broken light through into my man Ben Couch. I've known Ben uh, for quite some time. He is the director of editorial content with the NBA. Uh, We have very crazy connections of ties. How we actually finally met and came together way back. back. We had once spoken via email after college, and we finally met up um, at a mutual friend's birthday party years ago. So it was crazy. Yeah. But we knew (laughs) of each other. Like Ben knows my cousin, and he knows. My yeah, no, I, went, I went to
2: school at Monique for yep. years.
0: Yep. Um. And yeah, it was like middle school and
2: high school. Yep. And So I knew of Dexter and then we were both getting into sports and then we both ended up at this one friend's birthday party. And I was <laughs> and then we
0: kept running into each other at work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it was like, I couldn't avoid that, which is not a bad, yeah. which is Ben is not the person you want to avoid. So it's fine. <laughs> that, that, that is good. Ben, how are you, man? How's everything down Yo, in Atlanta?
2: I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm living that quarantine life the way uh, I think everybody is these days. You know, it has its ups and downs. Uh, but luckily, everyone happy and healthy uh, right now. You know, so we're keeping our social distance <laughs> as we go. <laughs> um, you know, things are a little weird. I have an NBA job. There's no NBA. Right. Uh, there's no any of the sports. I have I drafted a fantasy baseball team uh, this year that is not playing games. Me too. Um so you know the whole the whole thing's kind of a trip but you know we're hanging on uh luckily the situation's stable and uh you know this last dance has really picked up and like filled the gap you know uh dex i've talked to you a little bit about that yeah. over the course and it's dope to see everybody just like jumping on
0: and hey the nba
2: community's still a thing <laughs> you know and it's it's
0: fun yeah Brian and I have absolutely been enjoying it we've been having somebody on here every week to talk about it. Um, I know you were telling me about how much you liked it I know Brian has been enjoying it too Brian I'm gonna let Brian take it from take it from here because Brian has some very high praise for these last two episodes that we're gonna talk about episode seven and eight Brian share with the world what uh, you shared with me. Yeah,
1: so they got into a couple of the things that I really wanted to know about that I pretty much talked about on the last episode where it's like, all right, the baseball stuff. Like, how did all that get going? You know, obviously, like I was born in 94. So I was born and just an infant in the year that he walks away, decides to pursue baseball actually has a pretty decent minor league season when you no. actually go through the numbers considering he hasn't played, he hadn't played baseball 14 years prior to that, actually hit 200, was fourth on his team in RBIs and team that actually had some prospects that ended up playing in the major leagues no. uh, according to Terry Francona who was his manager which I didn't,
0: I didn't know that I didn't, no, yeah, I didn't,
1: I didn't know, know that. that either, I was like oh wait, I, Terry Francona is a very familiar face as somebody who watches baseball, you know what I mean? So, and just and and also Michael Jordan, very good base dealer apparently as well, yeah. um, he had a lot of stolen bases in double a too which led me down the rabbit hole briefly of look i understand that he's become the greatest basketball player ever however it makes me think if he'd gone down the baseball route and if that's what he was able to do after 14 years of just you know and he was getting better working hard at it and things of that nature if he just would have went straight baseball it leads me to believe that he probably would have been a perennial all-star because he's michael jordan now. how could you bet against him So there was that. And then also, you know, the whole thing about his father and just overcoming that, because I've known about that obviously for a long time. And, you know, having seen like a whole bunch of other Michael Jordan stuff before this, you know, that's something that has registered with me and just how he overcome that. Like uh, the clip of him crying after he won, I think it was the first championship after his father passed was in 96 when they beat the Seattle Sonics, who we actually talked about our last episode on our Back to the future series. And, That was his fourth title total, but his first championship since his father died, and he's, you know, crying with the title – uh, down and whatever I never heard the audio for that I've only seen the video and I don't think that I thought he was crying before that I kind of thought that he was just you know celebrating with the title maybe even relieved or whatever the case may be but I've never heard the audio so that was something interesting too and at the end of episode seven um where he just you know causes where he just tells the the production to cut. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I
0: thought
1: that was pretty badass. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it, it was, it, no, it was, man. This episode, these episodes had a lot. Seven and eight. Uh, ben, what what did you really take away from this episode? I know we talked about how for us we kind of lived through it as young people. Um, but did you was there anything shocking to you? Anything that was revealed to you in this episode you didn't know?
2: Yeah, yo. So uh, you know, Brian mentioned that moment where Jordan was sobbing on the floor and like. That's one of those hidden moments from this footage stash. Like nobody had seen the combo of the audio and video of that moment that long ever. Right. Like, and you know, that's where we're getting into the NBA entertainment hidden footage aspect of this. And that hit me in the chest, bro. Like, mm, yeah. yeah. That was tough. Like, you know, cause that was on father's day. Yes. Right. So
1: right. Like, yeah. That's a good point. To,
2: to, you know, when Jordan was like, the glove wasn't, uh, nothing you know, like to be uh, <laughs> realizing that was what was on his mind when he said it was something else <laughs> like, yo, know, that's a lot, that's a that's lot, a lie.
0: yeah. I think I always knew you always if I remember watching that that game and I remember watching the interview post game with Ahmad Rashad. I remember him talking about the emotion of what it meant on Father's Day, but I think watching that as however old I was 11, 12, something like that. Mm-hmm. And and I'd seen that footage, like Brian said, of him crying in the lo- locker room, although I didn't think he was crying. I thought it was more of like he yeah. was so exhausted from having reached a mountaintop. And yeah, I do yeah. think that that's part of it, too. But right. you, when you hear the crying in the audio, it shows you the overwhelming emotion of of what he dealt with um, after having lost his parent. I believe that would have been the second Father's Day without his dad and, and the first time he had one playing basketball and his dad wasn't there to see him win. So, you know, that's... That hit me in the chest, too, you know, watching this yesterday on Mother's Day, having recently lost my mom. Mm-hmm. At, if someone has lost their parent, it was like, wow, okay, this man still had to refocus himself and come back and get to this goal. And it was like, you're happy for him, but you felt all that as well, too.
1: Yeah, and then, like, there were a couple other thoughts that I had just sort of watching those parts was, I never knew about the LeBradford Smith thing, but <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Because yeah. I'm a proponent of look. Sometimes when you need <laughs> some motivation, you could just make up something to piss yourself off. Yeah, hold on. I've hold
0: on. Hold I've on a done second. It before.
1: Hold on a second. Hold on one second. You gotta second. keep that edge. You gotta keep that chip
0: on your shoulder. One second. I have a question <laughs> for everybody. Not really Brian. Brian kinda doesn't count this. So it's really a question for you, Ben. Ben, right. had you heard of LeBradford Smith? Because I never heard of LeBradford Smith, even as really? an NBA. No, I never heard of LeBradford oh, Le Smith. I, no, I, I just
1: assumed, like you know, nope. as a as a diehard it, basketball, all right, all right, he was never an NBA uh, Jam or anything like, like that. Like, so it like makes his sense. Name,
2: it, it like vaguely rang a bell. Okay, but <laughs> when it was this story, I was like, oh, I know this anecdote. I didn't know it was that dude. And then I was like, Mm. "Yo, that." uh, I mean, it's such a typical Michael story. It's like he's taking a moment, and then it comes out years later. Like all you had to do was ask David Aldridge, and DA would have told you, "I was with LeBradford Smith the whole post game. He never said nothing."
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, but it's it's wow.
2: It's a testament.
1: It's a testament to how just psychotically competitive. I'm just gonna make up a word there that (laughs) Michael Jordan is. I wouldn't even say was, but still seems to be because he's not he's not really, you know, showing Gary Payton and Isaiah Thomas and any of these other dudes a whole lot of respect throughout this so he still carries that with him so which i find interesting i you know i've heard some people say like you know they feel like he you know he could be miserable now like it's kind of because he's so rigid even still like he hasn't really let go of any of that and i think you know that just kind of makes it who that just kind of makes him who he is i'm not sure that's how i would want to exist necessarily like even me as somebody who is super competitive but i don't you know I ain't like that. <laughs> you know what
0: I mean? Did, like, I, did, did What did you guys make of the fact that um he he laughed at when they showed him that they brought the iPad to him and he's he's watching the comments from Payton and, and he Peyton just played a good defensive game on him that and he just laughed and, as if he was he just dismissed him like he was Yo, nothing. So
2: at, at first I thought he was just like oh chuckles like oh GP. But then I was like, oh, he's laughing at him. Like, this is serious. He's, like, really going in.
1: I thought the same thing.
2: And, and I was like, oh. And then he was, like, rolling. And I was like, yo, he cannot hold this back. He still yeah.
0: feels this way about this man, you know, 20 years on. Like, whoa. Did anybody see Ahmad Rashad's tweet about, about Gary Payton? Did anybody, nobody saw this? Ahmad what Rashad tweeted that Michael Jordan told him that after game one of that finals in 96, that Gary Payton asked for his sneakers.
2: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Wow. I did see that, and that's that's what he knew that he had them <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Which which is that's actually surprising to me, even I though can't he see is Gary Michael,
0: Payton doing that. Th- but that's what right? I'm saying.
1: Like that's what I'm getting at because Michael Jordan's got some MJ in him. I actually think that if they were teammates at any point in the '90s, that they would have got along swimmingly, or they would have butt heads, and it would have went terribly wrong. It there's right. no in between with that, you know. Yeah. So
0: and also, we also have to remember to go back to. Uh, what Ben said as well, too. Hey, this is what MJ told Ahmad Rashad. That doesn't necessarily mean that's it true. really happened, though. That's right? True. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> like it doesn't mean that it, one thing we learned from part 7 and 8, it doesn't mean it really happened. This could be LeBradford Smith all over yeah. again. That's that's all I'm saying.
1: Have any of you ever done that? Have any of you ever just made something up to sort of psych yourself out, kind of like what MJ did with the LeBradford Smith thing? Because I've definitely done that before.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, like, that explicit that I've made up an anecdote I told yeah, somebody.
1: Yeah, but right. But, like,
2: you know, look, you got to be competitive to have a level of success in any niche field, right? We're all in sports, <laughs> you know, and, like— I've had moments where I felt a boss took something I did and like disrespected it in whatever no, way, you know, no. I took that and I'm like, I'm gonna do so good. He has to come to me with compliments next time. <laughs> i done that and last like, year. Like <laughs> none of that happened out in the world, <laughs> but like in my head that was going and driving me. The oh, next Bri- time,
0: Brian is all about this. You know, this I is about all Brian. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I, like I, I, if I could, I... I can't think of a specific example right now, but if you just give me a little bit of time, I could compile a list and we can make a whole episode and just go through them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Speaking of, speaking of less with Brian, you don't yeah. want to know about that. <laughs> But. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I have, I have a legitimate list. Ryan has um, a legit, um, a d- legitimate revenge list. We'll call it that. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've made it not on the list as far as I know. So then, no, for all I know, no, you no, could no, be on the list. I mean, we don't know. Yo, you, no. y'all are probably in good shape if you got through 128
2: <laughs> we episodes. Or oh, he's
0: really wait to get you. Oh, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Hey, don't, don't laugh, Brian. You could, you could be making a long plot here, the long con. How do I know you're not trying to set me
1: nah, up? No, nah, no, nah, no, nah, no, because that, that takes way too much work. And look, I'm all about hard work and stuff, but that's a little. It's
2: going to be like, bow, bow, bow. bow. Nah, got you, Dex.
1: Oh. <laughs> only, only if it was part of a wrestling angle, then that would make sense. Oh, my God. Because that would be for entertainment purposes only, and that would be fun. I've already told you that I think I could be a great bad guy manager in wrestling. I really do.
0: I want to see. I want to see him in wrestling. Uh, I'm still young enough where I can make that, where I can pull that off. You probably, so you saying. probably could. <laughs> then I take it you do not watch wrestling.
2: Uh, off and on. Oh. I actually, Ooh. I was, I was. A they just
1: got their the, lowest rating ever recently. Monday oh, they all did. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was a subscriber to the WWE Network for like a year recently. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I still have it. Yeah. Great. They, I, they I do. I they do shit. I, I wasn't doing it with the kids and stuff, but that's true. Um. You know, I, there was a stretch I was keeping up pretty good. You know, I enjoy it, right? Like, uh, the thing that really caught me in was uh, the whole Becky Lynch, the man, uh, mm. at the same time as the Kofi Whoa. Kingston ride. She just,
1: she just announced she's pregnant, like, literally oh, right. today.
2: Literally, yeah. while we're recording this, she just oh, wow. announced she's pregnant. Oh, right. Yeah. I got the tease from <laughs> the app. Um, that's dope. Uh Cause her and Seth are like the big power couple and stuff, but um, no, nah, yeah. I I love it. Like I was I was in when I was a kid. Like I can remember a summer camp, like Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Oh, I love it.
1: They but, still like, do the five hundred every August.
2: Yeah. I can't even remember this dude's like last name for the life of me. But it was like me and this kid Kevin were like the experts, and we had the tip sheets and like. Yeah. <laughs> <Hell laughs> me. Back when. And, uh, and then uh, I, so it's always been like in the background. Like I'll still always read stuff, or I'll you know the news will filter into my feed, um, and whatever I'm following. But now I appreciate a good heel turn.
0: <laughs> man, man I, yeah, I had my last dance of wrestling a while ago. A long, long time ago. But back to the last dance, speaking yes. of that. Um, yeah, so I found the Gary Payton stuff, I found that wildly hilarious. Just looking at how how much Jordan mocked the situation of him. Um, And, and, and that. Anything else uh, that stood out Yo. for, for you guys? Yeah, go ahead, Ben.
2: I just want to say this on Gary Payton, right? This is like prime, like we're going to have to explain this to somebody and the documentary is, like, how you get into it. But, like, <laughs> that Sonic's team was good, bro. Yo. Like, like, Gary Payton was that dude. And Sean Kemp was, like, dunk. Sean Kemp, I maybe, like, have never seen anybody dunk harder in a game. Yeah, right? no. And I'm saying that remembering myself via Ted. But, like, the the uh, hot rumor with Sean Kemp was, like, he dunked so hard in a street ball game, sparks flew off the net. <laughs>
0: You know, I remember and, that. I remember you know, hearing it's that. Before,
2: it's before Twitter, like yeah. you don't know. And nobody and it's nobody like, can uh,
0: verify uh, this.
1: Right. <laughs> I believe it though. I believe it.
2: Yeah.
0: No, no, no. Uh, that that, so that was like, that team. that was something I, for, I forgot. Who was saying in the documentary was talking about how good that Sonics team was, and we just did that in a recent episode where we looked yeah. at how good that Sonics team was. They were really good, and they were really good defensively. I think the shock was in that series was that the Bulls went up three nothing on them. Nobody right. saw that happening. Mm-hmm. Then they win the next two, and then they lose the final one. But that was a good Sonics team. So it wasn't like you could just dismiss them like they were nobody. Um, right. they, they,
1: I, pull, I pulled up the uh, the Scotty Pippen MVP, almost MVP season from 93-94, and he was third in voting. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I found it very interesting that uh, that was covered even a little bit more than I thought it would be. I thought it would be like a little footnote, but I actually was glad that they got into it a little bit uh, and about how. You know, I forgot who it was, but Phil Jackson's what? Next to us. Yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I forgot who it was. Was it Phil Jackson's, uh, like the author of his book or whatever? That he basically said that he thought that was Phil Jackson's best coaching job yeah. ever. Was that yeah. was that the, yeah. was that a common narrative at that time? Was that something that was actually going around?
0: No, I mean they were lauded for how well they played. I remember that. I remember. I remember even that year as a Nick fan, as a young Nick fan. I remember being like. Wow, I was surprised they were as good as they were because they lost Jordan, they lost Grant. I, I, and I think that year they finished like third in the East, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, yeah. if I m- remember. Wins, I yeah, 55 wins. Yeah, it was that. way higher than I think most people expected. A lot of people thought they were going to be a playoff team but probably like a sixth seed or something, and they they totally exceeded expectations. Like everybody thought they were going to take a hit. If you read any yeah. publication yeah. before that season, and I used to do I used to buy these magazines and all the stuff, Oh, yeah. Th- this, th- everybody had him pick like fifth, sixth. It was, nobody had him higher than that. Oh, but
1: they, oh, so they still had him as a playoff team. Though. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. People still had him as yeah. a playoff so, like, team. on the low end. Yeah, because people still were like, look, Pippen's good and the role players were pretty good and. Right, and Kukoc and was Kukoc Kukoc was just finally. coming over. It was, he was really the wild card. But look, nobody thought they'd compete as good as they did and they still took the Knicks to seven. Like
2: they that, did. yeah. And it,
0: it was the, the foul on Hugh Hollins blowing the whistle, swallowing yeah, the whistle.
2: right. With uh, Hubert Davis,
0: yeah, Carolina guy. Hubert Davis, yeah, you're your Carolina guy. Oh, there you go. That's right. There that, we go. That's um, right. So yeah, you, didn't, no, so Brian, that's... you didn't think they were going to get into it at all with the Pippen stuff? That you didn't. Expect no, I,
1: it? I thought that was something that was going to be just glossed over because I mean, this is the last dance and this revolves around the '97-'98 season, but this right. revolves more around Michael Jordan than anybody else. I've actually thought that they, you know, they've done a pretty good job of, you know, sort of giving us like who Scotty Pippen was and how important he yeah. was, and then. Uh, also the Dennis Rodman stuff. I mean, that's a little harder because he just had, you know, a full like 30 for 30, you know, on him last year. So I think that they would want people to reference that. But, you know, how you to get into the Dennis Rodman stuff, it's actually very basic at, you know, to do it at face value. And then after that, you could sort of peel back as many layers as you want. Um, Horace Grant, I feel like is not getting talked about enough. Like he's being talked to, and we're getting a lot of BJ Armstrong, which I find interesting. But he's actually a good interview. But um, yeah, I, the the Horace Grant thing. I was looking at his career numbers yesterday, and I'm like, I think I think we should be talking about this dude a little bit more about his contributions and things like that. I know he had career years in Orlando, but you know he was very good with the Bulls before he even went there.
2: Yeah, no, he was. But, but he, so yeah. much of that, I I think, is uh, you know, Jordan's gravity right, to use the term we use now, uh-huh. as a player just kind of sucked the whatever system <clears throat> was happening to him. You know, like, we're talking about Pippen, like, people didn't realize how good Pippen really was until it was the combination of the, the dream team, like, where everyone was like, oh, this dude really should be playing with these guys. And then two, Jordan's not here, and this team is legit. Like, they came very close to knocking off the Knicks team that everyone thought was going to be the one that won the championship until, you know, all the things happened Ugh. that happened that year and we're not going to talk about
1: it. Yeah, let's get away from that before Dexter has an aneurysm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll be
0: fine. I'm, I, I'm over it. I'm not, I'm not still holding on to things like Michael Jordan. I'm, 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 I'm over it. Well, I, I do want to do. I do want to talk about that, actually, too. What, before we get to that, one thing about Scottie Pippen, I want to ask both of you, yeah. especially you, Brian. I'm intrigued what you have to think about this and Ben. When you look back and they did touch on Scottie Pippen uh, not coming into that game, that game Mm, three in the series against the Knicks, where Kukoc hits the game winner because Phil Jackson had drawn up the play for Tony Kukoc and not Scottie Pippen. I think in today's social media age, guys, Pippen would get roasted and slammed for that. Now, he did at the time. He just didn't feel the pressure the same way. Do you Ben? Do you look at that? um, Did you look at that badly as a ten-year-old kid? Are you still looking? Did you still frown upon that now? How do you think? What do you think about how everything went down? So, like, yeah, there's there's
2: like the levels of how you can think about this, right? There's like, how did it hit me at the time? I was a Knicks fan, right? Like, (laughs) Scotty's not playing on the play. We're in good shape. Like, we'll take it, (laughs) right? Like, Scotty's not coming out. All right. Let's see what happens. And then Kukoc hits the shot and wins. You know, somebody made the good counterfactual. Like, what happens if Kukoc misses that shot? Mm. Even <laughs> if Scotty is in. Like Phil's getting roasted <laughs> for right. you know his dude who had the MVP season finally.
1: How um, does that make Scotty look if that were to happen? What do you guys think?
2: If he if he had missed it?
1: If Kukoc so, misses so it. That's
2: that's the thing. If Scotty just goes out there, right? Inbounds the ball and cool coach misses. Scotty looks like the best guy in the world because everyone's like, Oh, Scotty should have taken the shot, Mm. right? And that's the history of it, is right. And if Scotty's in there and he inbounds, and he the best, uh, I saw somebody say he was the best inbounds passer on the team at the time, and that's and he's got the height, like that's why Phil wanted him in. Like, if he makes that pass and Coach gets the shot and wins. Scotty, the ultimate selfless player, he's done all these years against Mike, he's letting Coach get his and the Bulls just keep winning, right? You know, so what happens is Scotty decides to sit out because, yo, that that hurts. Like, you're the dude, finally, and he took it away from you in your moment. Like, this is your chance. Like, yeah. let me go down shooting, coach. Like, this, this is it. Yeah, you know, I, I get the instinct, but as a team player, you know, like you heard everyone in the documentary was like, ah, that was no good. Like, Bill so Curry, crying in the locker room. Yeah. Right.
1: And I love the way Steve Kerr put it, where he lent voice to that's not his character. That's why it sucked the most. And I love that he worded it that way, because that's sort of what I thought about, because the way like I've sort of read up on Scottie and have learned about Scottie through the years, Scottie Pippen is my brother's uh, favorite basketball player. So he's somebody that I've grown up watching uh, throughout the course of my life, as well, and yeah, that didn't seem to be something that he would do. That would that seemed like something Michael would do. You know what I mean? That seemed like something Kobe would do. It seemed like something that Shaq would do. Except,
0: the, except, it, except those guys are absolutely getting the ball in that situation. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. But but the thing is with Scottie Pippen, you know, yeah, it wasn't his character. So I found that very interesting, and just also like I thought, you know, what if Coach missed it? Or, you know, what if Scottie Pippen is there and misses the shot himself? Like, what if he actually gets his way? You know what I mean? And Phil Jackson actually cracks, which he wouldn't. He didn't, obviously. Right. And then Scottie Pippen misses the shot. Then how does that look? You know what I mean? How What happens in the series from that point on?
0: So here's the thing for me. I, I think there's something to coach knowing which players are ideal for the certain situation. And, like... I would always want to give the ball to my best player, but I understand where Phil Jackson was coming from. It was like, look, this guy guy hit three game-winning shots during the season. Tony Kukoc was a guy who played well under pressure um, and stepped up, and he believed he could make the play, and he did. It's not necessarily a slight to Scottie Pippen, but I understand, like Ben said, I understand why Scottie Pippen felt slighted, because this was his chance to be the dude, and your coach is kind of telling you he's not the dude. The thing I kind of looked at in that situation, I looked at Phil Jackson, and I was like, damn. When he realized Scotty wasn't playing, what did he say? Two words. He said, Fuck him. And I was just like, I was like, wow, Phil Jackson was really in control here. He was like, Steve like, nah. Kerr it was dope. Yeah. He, he, he was like, nah, this is this is exactly what we're doing here. And I believe yeah. in it. And it almost made me think, well, that's why the team, Steve Kerr, Bill Cartwright, these guys, they got right behind their coach and was like, nah, that's not acceptable. And let's give Scotty Pippen some credit. Yeah. From what you heard from these players, Scotty mm-hmm. Pippen was a man, said that he was wrong immediately, and they were able to move on, and that probably helped him really get back into the series. So I know what Scotty did was wrong, but I also have to give him credit that he stepped into the locker room in the fire with his teammates, and he was an adult about it. And he said, look, this is what he is, and I'm sure him and Phil talked it out, and they were fine after that. Yeah. And he made a mistake, and, you know, he moved on. Like, I'm not going to kill him, but I, I get it.
1: Agree. And he, he got past it, and then the very next game, they show the highlight where he dunks on Ewing and wants to teabag him, so oh. it's like, you know... They... You, you keep bringing up the old wounds, man. Yo, that, yeah. but that was a great dunk. Like, that, that
0: was such a fuck you dunk. Like uh, <laughs> it, was,
2: it was something. Like,
0: it was something, yeah. Dad, just the- say that. It was something. <laughs> The Sports Walk is back. Watch Season 3 of Backpack Broadcasting's original web series that brings you the opinions of real sports fans. The first two seasons and current season are available now for viewing on the Sports Walk YouTube channel and Facebook page. Check out the 2017 NYC WebFest official selection and see what other sports fans have to say on the hottest issues in sports today. It's easy. Just take the Sports Walk.
1: Ask you guys because i found i found the the sort of narrative on social media very interesting going around about uh Michael Jordan's mentality right and I knew that once they would talk about it in the documentary how obsessed he is with winning that a lot of people on social media would be like yeah you know I want to be that or I want to be with that guy whatever whatever when most people I would probably even go as far as to say 80 85 percent of people they're not built to be around somebody like that they're not really built to be around (laughs) a psychotic winner like that and in in the (laughs) equation of Michael Jordan versus Steve Kerr a lot of people think they're Michael Jordan when they're really Steve Kerr and that's fine because night Ninety-nine percent of people are Steve Kerr. Uh, in what? terms of like,
0: no, 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 no. Steve Kerr, don't diminish him. Steve Kerr went at him. He deserves some credit. No, but
1: that but that's what I'm getting to. I'm saying that if they were either one in the equation, that that's who they would be. But most people wouldn't even get that far. Most people that. would probably. Most people would probably just turn and be like, look, look at the way people are now with basic things like teamwork and things of that nature. Like, it's just a different time where a lot of people wouldn't be able to handle Michael Jordan. Gerard gave me props. Gerard Hector, friend of the show, gave me props. He said, you could be teammates with with Michael Jordan on Twitter. He was saying this about me because he thinks that I'll bark back at him, and I would. You got, look, my thing is, look, if you're going to lose a fight, just go down swinging. You know what I mean? Don't run away from it. That's fair. That's fair. That's that's... like I, like I've definitely got into it with teammates over stuff before. You know what I mean? Like it happens, and I I think, I think, I think, you know, I give Steve Kerr obviously a lot of props for you know being a dude, especially as a white dude, you know, to stand up to
0: Michael (laughs) Jordan in that situation. Not a lot of people want to do that. You know what I mean? And he was, he he was that dude. Ben, do you think that anything that we see in this documentary about to what Brian's talking about about how Jordan is? Changes your perception of his character because it doesn't for me.
1: Um, yeah, but and Jordan warned us he said that he thought a lot of people would come away from just hating him, and I don't think that there's really anything at least for you know for us yeah. where we're gonna look at him then in that. Uh, I way. mean,
2: here, like where I think I have fallen out on this, right, is one it, it reinforces a lot of the image we have, and like Michael, who you know is apparently very concerned with his public image, right. Like is is out there worried about how people will perceive it when they see all of it, you know, as opposed to just what was coming out at the time, you know. It, we got the Jimmy Butler practice tweeted minute by minute, you know, from Woj like within the hour, and it's he like, only took that,
1: one shot. He still maintains to this day he only took one shot. That the third
2: stringers. It wasn't even the second. Um, but it's like the one thing Brian said that is very true, is like, that was Michael Jordan, and most people are not Michael Jordan, right? If you are not one of the, if not the best basketball players of all time, right, like, there's no question, you know, top three, and it's really a argument of who else with Mike, right? You want right. to put in there, yeah, right? If you're not that dude, you don't have that much leash, right? Gosh. Kerr said that. You know, in the teaser, he was like uh, basically something to the effect of like, you know, I, I have a rational confidence, but I'm not usually talented enough to back it up. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right, right. And it's like if you're not Michael Jordan and you act that way and you can't back it up by being the hardest working, yeah. the best.
1: Then you know, you're Ricky I, Davis. I,
2: right or you know whoever to name anybody <laughs> go for your own rebounds on the triple double <laughs> that but that's the yeah. thing a
1: lot of a lot of people think that that like a lot of people yeah I mean most people you know have egos and so on and so forth like they see themselves in that light when really you know it's not the case and i feel like this documentary should showcase that like this yes. of all the people that have all this confidence in themselves. And I feel like people should, there's a very small percentage of people that could back it up. And it's not always talent-based. A lot of hard work comes with that as well. And, you know, obviously Michael Jordan is going to be able to get away with that. Steve Kerr to some degree is going to be able to get away with that. Cause even being Steve Kerr is very, very difficult, you know, even getting to that level of whatever your profession is.
2: Yeah, so I, I wouldn't even say it's a matter of confidence, right? Because people should be confident. you got to be confident to be Steve Kerr to go back at Michael Jordan. Yeah. But it's that ability to like lead by bullying, right? Which is essentially <clears throat> what we're talking about here, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yo, the way he was going at Scott Burrell, like blowing up his spot on the team playing while they're playing cards. Yeah. You know, Everyone, the meme of the disrespectful like look over his shoulder when he was posting him up already went around.
1: <laughs> Which it, is great. Know? I posted great, it,
2: <laughs> but it's like, like unless you are at the super talented, you know, ultra elite level, people aren't taking that from you, right? Because you're just gonna burn all your bridges otherwise, and yeah. nobody's gonna give you the second chances, you know, when it goes sour. Yep. Right? Like if you blow up with someone else who's, you know, at a more elite level than you in a situation, you know, yeah. you pop off on your boss the wrong way, and you don't got the standing to back it up. You know, so that's the thing that people have to keep in mind. And like the other piece of it is, like that's not the way you have to do it, right? You've true. seen so many other examples. Like, I think uh, Tom Ziller, who writes a great newsletter, Good Morning uh, Let's Basketball, you know, was saying, like Tim Duncan, Steve Kerr as a coach, <laughs> right? right? Bill Jackson as a coach. You know, there's a, you you look at the whole list of people that have won in the NBA and won in sports. Not everybody does it like this. Right. And people can be highly successful.
0: Right. There's many, there's many different forms of leadership. I said that as a guest on another podcast, there's many different forms of leadership, which is why I don't kill Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan led the players the way he thought was the best to get them to what they need to do. Ben, I completely agree with you. You can be an asshole and get away with it if you're really, really, really damn good and you get results, right? Like that's the the key thing. It's so much that the people know that you're an asshole, but they're like, no, we still believe in this guy, so we're going to yeah. follow him, right? Like, no, And they know yeah. the results work. So I think the Judd Bushlers, the Bill Wenningtons, the Luke Longleys, the Steve Kerr's of the world, they respected him. This, even Scott Burrell, who was a talented player coming out of college, they still respected what he brought to the table. And I think, I think the thing I looked at, you didn't feel like any of those dudes hated them. They looked at him and was like, no, we know what he's doing. We know why he's being right. like this. He's yeah. not being like this just to be like this. Right. But they
2: wouldn't also probably have him on speed dial.
0: Yeah. 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 They're not, not, like, not the calling him up to
2: earlier. hang out. Like right. maybe, they, maybe they, that's not the life Mike wants to live. Yeah. Maybe that's the way some other people want to live. And like a lot of people don't think about that trade off.
1: Yeah, that's true. It, it, true. like even when I look at Michael Jordan's like house and you know the different places that he's doing these interviews, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of people in that building. You know what I mean? I get the sense that he's just kind of there most of the time. Cause that's you know, that's just Mike being Mike. I think the other important thing to note is that the reason why he can also get away with these things and he lent voice to this in the documentary is that he's not really asking dudes to do things that he wouldn't do himself. You know what I mean? And I think that's very important in terms of his leadership style, really any leadership style, because you want to lead by example also. And a lot of people use lead by example as a cop out to be like, nah, I'm just not vocal. I just want to lead by. No, like. Leading by example the means Mello you have statue.
2: to, yes, you have, you
1: have to be there. <laughs> oh, of, Not who I was thinking of when I, I yeah, didn't think of anybody right. in particular, but. Right.
2: No,
0: no, no. We, I know, no, I'm, I'm, Car- I know you weren't Car- because you're yo, Carmel. Carmelo.
1: Carmelo yeah. Anthony's half Puerto Rican, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, like, I, I
2: leave him alone. I'm, I'm on Team <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but what was what it? He was, was with all the leadership in the locker room. Yeah,
1: yeah, but but when it comes down to it, I think leading by example. A lot of people use it as a cop out because they're afraid to go at people in that way. They're afraid to sort of take the Michael Jordan approach to feel like they're overbearing. You know, the Kobe (laughs) Bryant approach (laughs) and things of that nature. Where I think that most people, like you know, leading by example is not just in action; it's also in words. I feel like it's also be like, look, I'm gonna do this, and I believe you can do the same thing. So let's do it together.
0: I think there's also a good point in a player that made me think about that. brought up in Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is kind of known as this very quiet guy, right? But that doesn't mean that he wasn't telling people that what they needed to do. I think people confuse the two sometimes. Like, being uh, publicly vocal doesn't mean that you're not vocal at all. Those are two different right. things. Like... I can say in a very different demeanor, like, "Hey Ben, you need to do this," or "I think you need to come here on time." And that's still leadership. Yep. That's still, yep. to Brian's point, you still need to be able to exercise that. Just because you don't do it demonstratively or yeah. you don't, you're not in the Kobe Jordan way of doing it, doesn't mean that you're not vocal with your leadership. So, yeah, you can, uh, you yeah. can,
1: you can be vocal and not a dick. Right. Is basically, what <laughs> right. you're saying. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> no, that's, it. that's basically it at the end of the day. Yeah, Ben, you were about to say something.
2: Yeah, because, like. You know, as somebody who has taken on managerial roles in my career, right. right, Like as I've progressed, one of the things I've struggled with is like, I have an innate like want for people to like me. Right. Mm. And, you know, generally I carry myself in a way where that's not an issue (laughs) at all, but like you can't, you can't have that be the dominating, you know, attitude in every moment when you're somebody's boss. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Because being the boss means taking on the responsibility. So like one of the things I've realized I had to like, you know, work through some internal chafing on was, you know, you can't just not tell people and not communicate and take it on yourself. Right. Because if you're taking it on instead of giving someone the advice to correct it and do it themselves. And even if they're only going to do it to 75% of what you can do, Right, if they're spending a hundred percent of their time on that seventy-five percent, and you're spending zero percent of your time on it, and mm-hmm. it still gets done, that's the job, right? Like, you know, and that's bringing things along. And people don't want to be in that, you know, to Brian's point, like about people don't want to be that person who's right. like correcting people, right, and firing off a note in the middle of the Slack, like, yo, you spelled, you know. Uh, you know, whoever's name wrong in a headline, (laughs) right? Like, you know, and you gotta just be able to do that in the moment and not have it be a thing, Yeah. right? Because I'm just, I'm correcting you because I saw this and I want it to be correct, not because you did it wrong.
0: Right. 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 It's not it's not personal. It's just me doing my job and right delegating and saying what needs to be done. Right. But that's part that's part of leadership. It's yeah. good. I guess the Tim last
1: an assistant coach, by the way. That's right. right. Yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing would be uh we're we are at the last parts, the last two parts of this mm. documentary I feel like it's blown by. We all waited for this. We couldn't wait for it. We were so hyped. And now we're down to the last two parts. What are you guys looking forward to seeing the most in the last two parts of this documentary? More replays of The Dunk by John Starks. Yeah. Yeah, I want that too, but that ain't happening. <laughs> One moment, bro. <laughs> <laughs> One moment. Do you, you have the poster, Ben? Did you have the poster up in your oh, room? Oh, yeah, yeah. Me too.
2: Me too. Uh, I was referencing, like, uh, so my, my room growing up in Brooklyn uh, had this ugly wallpaper it was like a like dark like blue and brown fleur-de-lis like thing and you know my house is the house i grew up in is like over 100 years old it's like in a victorian flatbush um so i was like i'm not doing this as a teenager you know so i covered the whole thing in posters like magazine cutouts like the whole deal and the two centerpieces i had a ken griffey jr nice oh my god that was
0: my guy too
2: Yo, this po- it was the most 90s poster of all time. It's called uh, Riptide, right? And it's got Griffey swinging with like a title. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've seen that one, yeah. One. Wow. yeah I a caught good. a Griffey poster yeah. for people of a certain age. Uh, so I had that, and I had
0: the dunk was on the other side of the wall. Like, those were the big two. Mm, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good one. You, you want more? I don't I don't think we're getting more of the dunk, then. Unfortunately, yeah. we're not going to get yeah. that. <laughs> Brian, what are you looking forward to seeing?
1: Um, uh, just more stuff that I don't know, that, which, you know, is just a very general thing to say, but you know, at this point, yes, the last two parts, I just want as many things that I've never heard, like more LeBradford Smith stuff, more of, more of a Jordan's just personality. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, I kind of want to, you know, I kind of want to know about because we're obviously going to get into the Bulls Jazz Series at some point, especially in the last couple episodes, because this is where The Last Dance ends. I want to know about... You know, maybe it was there a beef with Karl Malone that I don't know about? Was there any trash talking there? Because there were some games where Karl Malone missed critical free throws in that series. You know what
0: I mean? How, so. how, how about Karl Malone getting stripped before the iconic final shot? That's yeah. that's something that people don't talk about. They will talk about this. Defense, this.
2: offense. Defense,
0: <laughs> offense. Karl Malone, <laughs> with a chance to seal the game, gets stripped by Jordan, and Jordan comes down and hits the shot. I think the, the major question, I think Ben will agree with me on this, Ben remembers this, after that shot, after they win the championship, what did everybody talk about at school the next day? What what did everybody talk about then? Oh, that was a foul, bro. That was a foul. <laughs> yep did, did he push him off? Did he push off or did he not? That's that's what I want to know. Yep, that's that's what we want to know. Did he put? I want. And here's the thing. So it was. So it. it yeah. I mean, that would have been the same thing in this era. So that's yeah. great to know. Oh no I'm no. But I, what what the producers have to do here is you got to bring the iPad to Michael Jordan. You got to get Brian Russell, at Brian Russell. Excuse me. And bring it out there to Michael Jordan, and ha- and I want I want Brian Russell to say that he absolutely pushed off, and I want to see Michael <laughs> yes. Jordan watch that. I want that reaction. That's what I want. Anytime he stuff.
1: gets the iPad, it's an instant meme, yeah. yo. Me and the others be looking at.
0: I'm ready. <laughs> uh, your, your mic came out, Brian. Um, no, I'm I'm, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely ready for it. Absolutely I ready do for it. I was due. You know what you I mean? It was going to happen. This happens every seven. episode. Every episode. Every episode. Every man. episode. It
1: happens. I get a little too animated and then my mic comes out. One more thing I do want to know about in these last two episodes. and I don't know if they're going to get into it because this is the last dance, but I would like to know more about the retirement and then the playing basketball with the Wizards and that whole thing. Obviously, I I, I know about it to some degree, but just you know to hear Michael Jordan talk about it today.
0: I think be- I might I think I'm intrigued if they do go into like his post career just a, a smidgen and and his and, and into yeah. ownership I kind of would like and where his Jordan brand has evolved into I, that would be kind of interesting yeah. to me um yeah, that
1: would be good for episode 10 I would love a Kwame Brown interview I would love it Oh lord
0: that. that's,
2: a, that's a different doc
0: that's a totally different doc Yeah that's a whole different doc Oh man I don't know if I don't know if we're going to get that man that's a totally different documentary but uh We'll have to see right
2: now, but that book is got everything. Like, mm. there's an awesome anecdote in there about like, you know, how young and it, it's sheltered isn't the word, but like just you know coming into the NBA as an 18 year old from like a small town in Georgia is like a big jump, and like Kwame got to his first like steakhouse and was like, I would like French dressing. And they were like, uh, we don't have that, bro.
1: <laughs> Wait, what? They they don't have French dressing at a steakhouse? Why? I mean, I know that's weird, but, like, no, I mean, yeah, I mean cause no, because like, no, you could get, I like, salad with table,
2: your steak, you was, know? Like, super high-end, and, like, you know, they've only got the vinaigrettes' selection or right. whatever. Oh. You know, and, like, the other, the owner at the table was like, oh, you gotta ask for this. Like, you really want, <laughs> you know, Man. whatever, you know?
1: Look, Kwame Brown had a good long career. He just was the number one overall pick. So people think he's a bust. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: Right. Yo, but that's the thing, right? People like I, I have this argument with folks all the time, right? Like if you're drafting a guy at number one, what you are trying to do is lock in a position for it before you have to think about it. Right. Ideally, that guy is also changing your franchise.
0: Yeah. Right. But see but, that but that's not how people look at it, unfortunately. Right, they look at it but the like, other way. The thing
2: is, like, like Andrew Bogut, when the Bucks took him with the number one pick in that draft over Chris Paul and all them dudes in two thousand five, right? Bogut locked down center until he like shattered his wrist or whatever, and Milwaukee could go about their you know future picking up the other pieces, mm. right? Like for that stretch of time, you know, that's a good number one pick. You know, Hashim to be going number two, right? <laughs> and that, totally bombing out. Right. That's a bad number two pick. Right. Yeah. Right. But like getting a guy who starts for 10 years, like that's okay.
1: Yeah. If if <laughs> Kwame, if Kwame was the if Kwame was the 10th overall pick, then people would have been like, ah, you know, we thought he'd be a little bit better, but he was fine. He lasted right. in the league 12 years. He was he had some good defensive metrics, you know, toward the end of his career where he was a productive backup center. But you know, whatever. This ain't the Kwame Brown podcast. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> I mean, and he was also. Yeah, it's also that he was the first high schooler to go number one.
1: Yeah. 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 Right. For and the extra... uh, and the other two were better right after him, even though one of them was better for a short amount of time. Right.
0: right. Yeah. It's all
2: circumstantial. Like you only drafted the year you got.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, a lot. Of, a lot of it is circumstantial. Yeah, Capucho
1: was three. That's the. Uh, that's the other thing. <laughs> right.
0: And traded. You know. and, and traded Trevor's as a favorite. That's right. Yeah, so who knows? Crazy times in NBA. Well, yeah. Ben, we hope the NBA comes back soon. Um, yeah, you know, we miss, <laughs> we miss it. I know you. I know work. you miss it. And I know you work. want to get back to work um, and everything. Yeah. But thanks for coming on and talking with us uh, about sure. the last dance. We'll have to have yeah. you back probably yeah, no, no. when basketball starts back up again. So we can... Talk Some crazy stuff and uh, celebrate yeah, no, one, la- one last question. One last time question. Last
2: time. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> first
0: time, long time. First no, time, no. long time. One last question for you Do you know <laughs> yeah. where that John Stark's poster is? Oh, because I that's know. A good one. I think mine oh. is somewhere in my, in my parents' garage. I have no idea what that is.
2: Yeah, I think uh, that room got remodeled. Like the second I was out of college, my parents they were, were like, like, "They were like, Just
0: take this down." <laughs> and, man,
2: <laughs> <laughs> they they like keep my old football jerseys in the closet. <laughs> that's yeah. all I got. That's all you got. Yeah, yeah. You're... A bunch of Nintendo Power magazines in the basement, and that's about the longest short of it. <laughs> when, you, when,
0: when you leave, your room is never your room anymore. That is, that mm-hmm. that is true. Nice. All right, Ben. Thank you, man. Appreciate you joining us. Um, we'll definitely catch you next time, brother. Um, appreciate y'all. Keep doing what you do. If you're a fan of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcasting, you know you got to represent. And the way you represent is with the latest Ain't Hard to Tell podcast gear. You can get that at our T public store. Or you might just be a fan of Backpack Broadcasting's other original content, including the Sports Walk and Sideline Stories. With that being said, we had to let you know about a sale where you can get some great deals on the latest backpack broadcasting gear. That sale runs this week through May 15, 2020. Last chance to get the sale. And it's a flash sale where all regular t shirts will be on sale for $13. Everything else in the backpack broadcasting store on T Public up to 35% off. A great deal for you to secure some great gear. Check it out today, Backpack Broadcasting T Public store. One time for your mind. A lot going on in the world this week. Brian, as usual, is angry about something. And this time...
1: (laughs) You might be angry after this, actually.
0: Will I? Okay. Well, fine. Brian is going to make me angry. And this revolves around something I generally don't really care that much about, which is combat. Not combat sports. I love boxing. UFC. But Brian's got something really... uh, I guess he's gonna make me angry. Make me angry. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if I am. Uh, we'll see. Uh, because you you know you've been you've been down on the whole idea of sports coming back, but. I think that you know UFC probably wouldn't bother you as much because it is the UFC after all and as I try to explain to you I mean I care about just, the
0: people of the UFC I don't want to make sense no,
1: of that no but what I'm saying is like it's like it's just a different world man like it's just a different <laughs> Clearly. world <out> there. So <laughs> Clearly. so basically what's going on with the UFC is Dana White has been aggressively trying to put on UFC 249 which was actually originally scheduled to be at Barclay Center in April so I'm actually bummed out about that part of this because I would have loved to see Habib and Tony Ferguson fight one another so they try to make that happen And they were moving it around, kicking around the idea of using the UFC Performance Institute in Nevada, which is banned right now because in Nevada State, they're not allowing those kind of competitions, even though that is UFC, you know, property. Uh, So, you know, Nevada's being, you know, sort of very responsible with what's going on right now. And what's happening is that Dana White, you know, he said that he has an island. He said that somewhere on Earth, this fight's going to happen between Habib and Tony Ferguson. Khabib is in Russia right now. He is Russian. He's from Russia. He's out in Russia and he can't leave. You know what I mean? He's banned from leaving. So they had to put in another opponent. They had to put in another opponent and they find Justin Gaethje, who's been on a roll lately. And they actually figure out after initially being told to stand down in April when they were going to do this from some mysterious island, Florida opens up because Florida is Florida. Uh, They go to Jacksonville. They take everybody down there. They, oh, and, oh!
0: And it happened in Jacksonville. Oh, yes,
1: what a, this, this what, happened in Jacksonville. What a
0: shock. Home so
1: of the Jaguars and Maria Fraschilla. And basically what happens is, you know, they administer, the UFC says, 1,200 tests for 300 people. So fighters, workers, staff, the whole deal, everyone was tested. Three came back positive of uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza, who was one of the fighters on this card. Right former, uh, contender. Well, he didn't compete for a title, but he was competing for, you know, sort of that next in line. Uh, so i at Madison square garden, not that long ago as well. He was going to face Uriah hall, Uriah hall, originally out of Jamaica Queens, both middleweights, uh, uh, Jacare recently fought at light heavyweight. So Jacare and his two coaches, uh, tested positive Jacare lives in Florida. He drove up there, got there Wednesday. Everyone was tested obviously. And he had told the UFC that, prior that he has a family member that had tested positive for the virus so you know in order to be like extra careful whatever the case may be dana white says that he was pretty much isolated the entire time he was there he did do the stare down with uriah hull but they were like socially distant um he was distant from everybody from what i could tell i didn't really see him shake anybody's hand or anything like that he was the only person that did the stare down on friday after the weigh-in that had a mask and gloves and friday night it came out that his test came back positive so now he and the other two guys as corner men are both in isolation right now there's a,
0: there's a lot more- here let, gonna- let, let, there- let, 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 let's stop there for a second
1: yeah let, let i'm gonna let before i get into the actual fights yes. and that, things like that i i, I am
0: man. Uh, I am I'm disgusted here here's why by the way should I tell you about the part where
1: Dana White says the system worked <laughs>
2: y'all can see Dexter's face right now <laughs>
0: no 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 let's, let's actually get into that part Dana White please, please explain how did the system work
1: Okay so basically what he was explaining was that look of all the tests they were able to administer and apparently they were assured that they weren't taking away tests from you know people like regular people I don't and believe things that. Of that nature I don't believe
0: that but these leagues these leagues will, and these organizations will continue to tell people that it's not a good look they'll yeah. say that but I'm I, not buying that shit I don't I don't know you know what I mean
1: I don't know I'm just reporting what Dana White was saying. And what Dana White was basically saying was that they weren't taking those tests away. They administered all the tests. And the reason why he thinks the system worked is that, look, everyone else tested negative they're the only three that tested positive. So they were able to figure that out. Now they're able to help them in isolation, you know, get them what they need and take care of them for two weeks while they're in Florida. He already lives in Florida. His team is out in Florida. So they're in isolation right now. Which, I mean, numerically, yeah. I mean, you don't want anyone testing positive. But the fact that it was only three, which was actually, uh, you know, pretty surprising.
0: So there's that. But here's the problem. The problem is... They didn't know he tested positive until after the weigh-in. The results didn't come back, right? I mm-hmm. applaud them for doing the testing, but so it is possible that during the weigh-in, the day of the weigh-in, even though you saw him distancing for the stare-down, even though he was wearing a mask, it is still possible that he could have infected somebody else. Yeah, that's it is the possible. Thing. That and part that, of what we're going to find out. Yeah. And that is what is risky. You can't have that right now that's the problem right all three people asymptomatic by the way Him right corner man. the most dangerous people with all of this are the asymptomatic people which is why I, what would have been better to me is if they could have got the test results the day before the weigh-in if it could have got planned to that then mm-hmm. you would have known who you needed to and bring in this facility before you do it any time that would have yeah. been controlled I'm going to say I understand the UFC is trying to do the right thing and get this up. Well, they're trying to make money. Let's just call it what it is. They're trying to make money here and they're trying to keep the money train rolling. But and they tried to actually have testing, but I think they fell short. The reason it didn't work to me wasn't a success. I wouldn't use that word. Yeah. Is you had somebody who tested positive, which you want to know. I get that point, but you had them around other people at the weigh-in. Yeah. And
1: I think I think I think that. I think that when it comes down to it, like the first time anybody's going to be the ones to bring sports back, quote unquote, it's obviously going to be messed up. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be perfect. I think the UFC is going to get better at this, but I want to know what happens because they have another event Wednesday and they have another event Saturday. So there's tests going on. Probably there's probably everyone's already probably been tested for Wednesday by the time this podcast drops. So what I want to know is what happens in the case and we may not know this because this might not even happen, but what happens in the case where maybe 10 come back positive? You know, like what's sort of the line here? This is all fuzzy, and this is why nobody are you wants ask, to be. Are first. you
0: asking what's the number where they have to be like, we gotta shut this shit down?
1: Yeah, like I don't I don't know or like I don't know what it is at that point. Like, cause because in this in this case, there was only one fight that got affected and those three people. Now we're gonna know if is it possible that because Uriah Hall was while he was distant, was he close to him at any time, even in passing, that he gets infected and brings us back to whoever? Right. I don't know. So the, these are things that I think it's too early to say, but we'll see what happens. As far as the fight, it's the fights themselves. uh, they were very interesting because obviously this was with no audience, there was no crowd, and look for MMA, it really to me it really really worked. I really enjoyed the no audience factor in it. Um, Joe Rogan was pretty funny on commentary where he says, I don't understand because the announcers were all separated. There was one person here, had a webcam, one person here. Like they all had their different setup, but coming into the pay-per-view, they all had a three shot in front of a camera sort of standing together, which is weird. Uh, No masks, no gloves, none of that. So I was like, why are they, one, if they're all negative, do they need to be far apart? You know what I mean? No. And I think if, I... They're, if they're doing the stand up, shouldn't they just sit together? Cuz Joe Rogan's point was that look, we all tested negative, so why do we have to, you know, sort of be apart here? And I'm looking at that and I'm like, yeah, I kind of agree with him. If everyone's negative,
0: then... my th- my thing with the te- with the testing negative and when those results came in and it's about what have you done since then? Like and also how often were they testing? Are they testing people they're not testing them every time they go back in the building. So you might have took the test early in the week. Friday comes <clears throat> around, and you might have got a negative. But who knows if you're asymptomatic and positive by the time Saturday, Fright Night hits. Who knows? I'm not
1: sure. I'm not sure. They, well, they said they administered 1,200 tests for 300 people. I'm not sure if they, you know, did they test everyone four times? You know what I mean? Like, I'm right. not I I'm not,
0: I'm like sure. know. I'd like to know more about when the testing was, how often yeah. they did it. Were they testing right before they went on air? Because if so, then Joe Rogan's point is right. My point is this is the this is the challenge of all this stuff when people aren't tied into the same place is yeah. you don't know what other people are going to do. You don't know how they're going to move. You know, yeah. it's like some somebody I know invited invited me to help them doing some work and you know, come through and help them with some video work and I was like now, now? this happened yeah. now? Yes. I'll, I I I I'll tell you more about this. Uh, off the show. I'll tell you about this. really? And I was like... If if it's somebody,
1: like... If it's somebody that I don't... Like, I'm not, like, that tight with, then I probably wouldn't do it. There are a few people that I'll go to their house right now. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: but... Yeah, it's it kind of is my hesitancy on that. And my other thing is, I don't know what you've been doing. If I'm tight with you... I yeah. might know what you've been doing. Like if you're family, I may have an idea of where yeah. you've been going, what you've been like doing. about. Like don't you know.
1: know me. I'm just you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm just here.
0: I love you, but I still ain't coming to
1: your house. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I wouldn't because, my because mom's it's irrespons because, know what because it's irresponsible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. my point is I'm thick caring about other people. It's irresponsible for me to do that. So Yeah. So um, all, in, all in all
1: the event itself was interesting. Um, I think we're gonna see the fallout from this, but Look, they have another one Wednesday, another one Saturday. I'm going to watch them. But as far as like the actual fighting, the no fans thing was very interesting. And the fight card itself was very, very good. Um, but as far as like, you know, the COVID-19 stuff, I think the UFC could also operate in a way that team sports can't because this is one-on-one fighting. Right. You know, WWE, the action is, is a little bit different and they're still operating. So I, I think those... Those sort of things and boxing, even if they decide to come back at some point, which Bob Arum says in June, he'll probably start announcing dates. Um, Like they can move in a way that football, especially football, Football. but football, basketball, the NHL, you know, college sports like they, they just simply can't do like I think. I think what we'll, we'll start like tennis and golf, golf are, are gonna two, be, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna
0: sort of lead the way because you can you can social distance better. Yeah, you can all control, those all test those better
1: all those non-team sports, I think there's a way you could do this that's mostly safe. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm not I'm not gonna kill the UFC for doing what they did. Probably a little more aggressive for my liking for doing it in May. But at the same time, it's like look, at some point somebody was gonna be first. And at some point, somebody was going to try and get this money. And look, fighters want to get paid. People want to work. Like A lot of people want to work right now because a lot of people are getting tired of being I'm, home. I'm, so. I'm going to
0: say this. I, I respect what the fighters <clears throat> and everybody does in UFC and, and some degrees of wrestlers and stuff. I'm not sure I want to grab up on anybody. I don't know. Unless I know for sure that they're positive. I want to be grabbing up, wrestling. Yeah. and Negative, uh, you mean. Ne- yeah. Yeah, ne- negative, excuse me. Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't want if they're positive. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> right. Um,
1: right. I, I, right. I,
0: I, I'm not necessarily sure. But I want if, to do that. Again,
1: if everyone tested negative, like, yo, if I was going to have a fight and everyone on that side tested negative and everyone on our side tested negative, then it is what it is. Because at that point, it's like, yo, at, the other thing about this is like, these, these men and women are fighters for a living. Yeah. This virus ain't scaring them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like Henry Cejudo is over here saying in the pre fight video, he's like, You better hope that you better hope you get that coronavirus because I'm coming for your ass, Dominic Cruz. Damn. You know what I mean? Like, this is a different world. And by the way, that's something that I would tell somebody if I were a fighter. You know I'm what sure, I mean? I am like,
0: sure, sure that you would. We are sure that you would. So it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. My one time for your mind this week comes from the world of hip hop. Um, shout out to Joey Badass. Oh, yes. Brooklyn. Flatbush. One of our favorites in the The Hard to my, Tell podcast. One, yes, one, one, one of my favorite rappers out there. And Joey Badass did something that I've been saying for quite some time. If anybody knows me about the way I like albums, the way I generally like music, I don't care for long albums. Don't give me these 20-track albums. I still dare anybody to tell me a 20-track album that's a classic. Maybe you're talking about Only Built for Cuban Links, and even that I still think is a little bit too long.
1: Maybe uh right? book of Ryan, but it's a, to your point. It's a very, well, it's a very, very, short very short list. Short list. Right? Very short.
0: And I like Book of Ryan, but I might have chopped a couple of songs off of it. That would have
1: agreed. Been, well, that's the other thing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Joey Badass voices disdain for albums with more than fourteen songs. This was in a complex interview that uh, was published on May fifth, and he answered a question about what to expect on his next project. And you know, the pro rapper said that the less is more approach is the way it should be. When it comes to making an LP, he said, quote, The thing with this project is, everyone's gonna be satisfied, and not in a way where it's too many things on the menu. I'm definitely not that type. You come to my restaurant, MFR, it's like 10 options. I hate when MFR has put out an album longer than 14 songs. Nobody wants to F and listen to that. Word. Ain't nobody trying to listen to that. Ain't nobody Wait, want that. He
1: got albums that's more than 14. I mean, he's evolving though, so I get it. Like, you know what well, I mean? Well, his first
0: that's- album was 15 correct
1: yeah because but but at the same time it's like again he's still developing like he's 25 you know what i mean he's not gonna think the way he was at 22 so i respect it
0: he said you doubled down on his point and he said nobody's getting through that in a day joey said of lengthy albums i agree, I agree. granted kids are a big part of this shit <clears throat> but bro keep that shit to your point about if he's evolving. i don't care if it was michael jackson i'm not listening to 25 songs less is more in my opinion I completely agree. The I game gonna come out of retirement to drop I this track. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, at all whatsoever. Remember, please remember his last album, twelve songs, very tight. Liked it. He did have over like fourteen. He did much. have over fourteen on before the, before the money. That was fifteen cuts on that. Um, and 1990, 1999 did have fifteen songs. Summer nights had seventeen. Um. But I think he's evolving. I like tighter albums. I've always said for that. I'm glad Joey is a young artist who I believe is 25. And that's Joey's 25. age? Yeah. 25. I, I'm really excited to see what he does with this next album. Some of the stuff I've heard has been pretty good. But I like that he's trying to keep tighter albums, thinking about the projects that he does. I mean, a lot of my favorite classic albums are tight albums, man. Illmatic. Like, you know what I mean? Illmatic, Good Kid, Mad City. You know, you look at these albums. You know, I know Pimp, to Pimp a Butterfly pushed it with sixteen. As a, there's some rare ones where it can go a little bit over fourteen, and I, I won't be too crazy. But generally, I like my albums twelve to fourteen tracks. Give me your twelve to fourteen best songs, and that's it. You Bandana know, then a
1: fifteen tracks. Fifteen F- tracks, F- fourteen with an intro. With the intro, so yes. it's 14, it fourteen tracks. Fourteen
0: really? tracks, yes. Yeah. Another another good example. You know what? Uh, somebody who I think of an album that I was listening to uh, a couple years back, and I was like, man, this album's really going good. But I was nervous about it at first. Drake's last album, the Scorpion album, which is double album, oh, yeah. which, which I just wish everybody in hip-hop would just stop trying. Like, there hasn't been a really good one since uh, Life After Death. So just, like, everybody, the please. double album? Yeah, please just stop. <laughs> you don't like Street album. Disciple. It was mediocre. So
1: you could have le- left it on one disc, I know.
0: Could have. I'd say the same thing for Jay-Z's Blueprint, too. Could have left it on one disc.
1: Oh, that album.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. I like... There are songs I really like on that album. But yeah. there's a lot of songs... It's just I'm way too long, though. Too long. Same thing with yeah. Street Disciples. Street Disciples are songs that I really, really like. And too there's songs late. that I'm like, I will never listen to it again. It's automatic yeah. skip. Um, But I saw my Drake. Drake had the Scorpion album. I like the first side of the album. I thought his rapping was actually tighter, some of the best that he had done. I wish he had just left that as an album. I think could he left that as an album, a lot of people would herald it as a great album. But he gave us all the stuff we didn't need on the second side. And stop. <laughs> please. Can we stop? Just stop with the long albums. I'm glad to see somebody who's 25 years old, like Joey Badass, understands sometimes less is more. Because, you know, a lot of times the old heads, not that I'm in that category yet, be hating on... <laughs> The young, the young heads, you know, out there and saying that they don't know this, and I'm like, no, I like that Joey's thinking about how his project should be. I like that he's thinking about his themes and how tight he wants to keep it. Like, yes, man, I want the music, and he's right. Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't got time for 25 track albums.
1: Yeah, cause that, cause I got cause after I'm done with your 25 track album, I gotta listen to somebody else's 25 track album. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm just not gonna devote all that time to you. That's why I think what Chris Brown is doing is stupid. But it is what it is. He's playing a different game. He
0: puts I out like guess. 40 track albums, and I, I'm be honest. I, ever since Chris Brown started doing that I listened to an album, I see the track list: 39, 38, 40 nah. tracks. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. But but
1: I see see that Griselda, and I see like 13. Mm, You know what I mean? That's right there in the sweet spot. And usually when it comes to like the underground rappers, especially Freddie Gibbs, Griselda, when they're dropping 15, 13 uh, or whatever, one or two is a skit. So it's really a little bit less than that. And I think with Joey Badass' next album, he's probably going to give us 14 songs, one intro and 13 records or something like that. He might even do 10. 10 10 to 12 is like perfect. You know what I mean? Get in and get out. 35 40 minutes of music and I'm good with that. Forty five thirty-five to forty five is perfect.
0: Nah, I I'm 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 completely with him. Um I'm looking forward to his new al- al- album as I said. Shout out to Joey Badass for keeping it real and uh actually caring about his projects. That's that's right. that's what we need more of. All right, that's it for this episode of the Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast. Please remember, support us, subscribe to us. Wherever you listen to podcasts, also be sure to subscribe to Backpack Broadcasting on YouTube uh, for much of the great content that we have coming out. We have more coming up in our Back to the Future series. If you missed that, go back and check that. Great nerd out basketball discussion. Also, we'll have another edition coming up soon of our face-off series, Player A versus Player B, uh, coming up as we plan to do more of those. There's been some good receptions to those. I'm glad people are liking it. Uh, please continue to support that. We might try to do different stuff with other people. Who knows? Maybe even outside of sports, com- comparing, looking at different things. There's a whole bunch of ways we can go with this, so um, we're going to have fun with that. But uh, please be sure to support, uh, share, check out our T Public store. Uh, there was a flash sale this week. Shirts lows $13. Everything discounted. Be sure to check that out. Get some good backpack broadcasting merchandise. You know, continue to support us. Support the podcast. That is it, again, for this episode for my man Brian Fonseca, our guest that we had on at the top of this, Benjamin Couch from the NBA. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.